has helped several pro athletes, companies, organizations, and sports teams overcome their mental blocks, reach their peak potential, increase their performance, produce more results, and just have more fun in their life and business. Bring me the energy, all right? Determine what you mentor taught me that going from zero to your first six figures is all about effort, just a hundred percent you. And going from six figures to a million takes taking that effort and then doing 80% of the work while you hire employees to do 20% of the work. And then going from seven figures to eight figures and up comes to your employees doing 80% of the work and you doing 20% or maybe none. So on this episode, we're going to talk about how to scale and how to outsource so you can just focus on the things that you're good at and multiply yourself, multiply your business. Like Dan Sullivan says, Mozart never moved a piano. But first, let's bring the show in. This is the Entrepreneur Underdog, business secrets to help doubted entrepreneurs triumph. The Underdog Entrepreneur is where we use fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs make more money, have a bigger impact, and live a better lifestyle so that they can prove their haters wrong. And now, your host, Roy Red. Roy Red. Hi, everybody. It's Roy Red, five-time best-selling author, internationally recognized speaker, and your host of this show, The Success Code. Actually, it's not the successful anymore. It's the entrepreneur underdog. Got to get that in my head. Well, we share fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs win in life and business so they can prove their haters wrong in a positive way. And today, I am super excited. We have Robert Nickel, who is going to show us how to improve our business through outsourcing. And if you don't know what outsourcing is and how important it is to your business, then this episode is going to be huge for you. If you are on live, make sure you say hi to Robert. Make sure you ask some questions. We already got Vic Damone on live. He said, prayer hands. Thank you, Vic. Thank you for that. Uh, Robert, how are you, man? Awesome, Roy. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate everybody who's who's taking the time to to be on with us today. I love your show. And man, sounds like you have some uh, pretty incredible and some smart mentors in your life. That's awesome. 
Man, I I really do. I got uh, extremely lucky. Lucky. Uh, my first mentor being I, I don't know if you are you on Clubhouse. Of course, yeah. Uh, you heard when JT Fox got kicked off. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't hear that. I he, thought you were gonna just ask if I knew who JT Fox was. Yeah, yeah, so he was like my first mentor. He was the guy that I saw him speak. He was thirty three at the time. I'm thirty three now, and I was like, yo, I love this guy, and I wanted to be like that guy. And he was like my first mentor. And, it's just it's just cool how things go. So Rob, real quick, thank you for joining us. For the couple people who don't know what you do, um, tell us what you do and who you are. Yeah, I uh, I started my entrepreneur journey a couple years out of college. I I jumped into real estate. I really like the idea of being able to leverage real estate. Uh, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad by Kiyosaki whenever I was younger, and the idea of uh, of real estate being the tool, the vehicle to be able to create passive income and then be able to control your time and ultimately control your life. That's that's what I was all excited about. So two years out of college, I, I decided that I could do better than my W-2 job. I really just didn't like the control of my time, to be honest with you, Roy. I wasn't, I wasn't quite ready to be in that um, you know, eight to five consistency of, of being there, you know, it didn't really matter if I had to be in the office or not to get my work done. I still had to be there all the time and stuff. And then I, I felt like that I was never going to reach my goals or, or reach my dreams by just working the, the normal W2 job. So I, I left two years out of school, started doing real estate and a couple years in my real estate journey, I was you know, making some good money and doing some deals. And, but Roy, I was working my butt off. You yeah. talked about that, that first like six, six figures. I was making six figures, but I was also working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody posts on Facebook about the hustle and grind and they're, they're on Facebook at 4 a.m. working cool. out because it's the only time they, and I just like that to me was, that wasn't the goal was to be in this hamster wheel of, of never ending task lists and always doing stuff. And I was the one it was just me by myself. I was the one doing everything. So I tried hiring some, uh, some friends from, from school to come into the office and that didn't work out great. And then, uh, you know, I have all the same scars and, and battle stories that everybody else has. I, I tried to go the traditional way of hiring. I put job postings on Indeed and the latter. Um, Upwork, I, I, you know, Fiverr at the time wasn't, you know, Upwork wasn't even Upwork. It was Olance and EDAS at the time. So I was just trying to figure it out. And to be honest with you, Roy, I was terrible at the process. I was bad at hiring people. I would. I wasn't good at, at selecting the right person. I wasn't good at managing. I didn't have a system put, to put anything in place. And so for a while, I just gave up and thought, you know, it takes more time to, to try to train someone and do something by yourself or do something than it does just to do it by yourself. So um, my journey into trying to figure out employment and hiring and really make that work comes from me being terrible at trying to find help and make that happen. I knew that that uh, doing everything myself was way too limiting, and it just meant that you know the the remedial everyday tasks like answering the phone I was doing, and then the way more important stuff like negotiating deals I was doing that as well. So, like you, I had some pretty awesome mentors in in my life, and one of them had an awesome business, Roy, and he had agents on both sides and he was a good dad and he was his, his daughter played golf and so he got to carry for her golf tournament to be 
her caddy at all of her golf tournaments and his son liked to build things. And so he spent a lot of time with him out in the garage working on four wheelers and did the plus running a really good business. So I, you know, I was struggling to do it without any real responsibility, no kids, no wife, no anything like that. And here my, my mentor is, and he's got real responsibilities, things that he really cares about that are super important to him. Plus he's got a great business. So I went to go, go figure it out. And he was using teams overseas to do almost everything in the entire business. If it was done on a phone or computer, he had somebody from the Philippines answering the phone or doing his back end office work, keeping CRM together. I mean, literally everything, his social media management, everything was done so that his teams that he did have here stateside, they didn't do any basic tasks. They were just closing deals and doing the most important things and highest best use of their time. So as a result, not only him as the broker having a great life, but all of his team did as well because they just got to do what was the best use of their time throughout the day. So that really kicked off my journey in 2011 to try to try to figure it out. Um, I, Roy, I wish I could say, you know, I know this story is already too long about the intro. I wish I could say I just was good at it right away. Mm-hmm. You know, but I was terrible when I first started hi- outsourcing and hiring virtual teams. I was terrible at that as well. And it just made me realize that I was the problem. And the problem was there was no systems and processes. and I didn't have any structure to, to go about doing that. And so over the next several years, I not only figured out that structure, we kind of figured out a four-step process to go through to make sure that we do it the right way, hiring correctly and get amazing outcomes and efficiency and productivity and business growth. And I started helping friends and I was a part of masterminds and groups and helping people do that for a couple of years. And in 2013, we decided to make it a business. And today we have almost 800 employees under management. So I know that was way too long of an intro, but yeah. that that's kind of the entire story of my entrepreneurial journey, solving my own problems. And today we just kind of solve the same problems that I had for other entrepreneurs and businesses. Uh-huh. Now that was perfect because you unpacked everything and you started with the end in mind and we're going to kind of come back and then we're going to connect it all together. Um, you know, now we know the science behind impossible and my goal, financial goal is 100 million. I want to inspire and instruct a billion people. I don't know what your goals are, but usually guys like us, our goals are impossible, but we find a way to get the impossible done. And there is a system for impossible and it starts with curiosity, passion, and purpose. And then from there, and this is the step that I'm at and the step that you were at um, when you were struggling through that is autonomy. Coming up with enough autonomy because when you have the autonomy then you can go towards mastery and when you have mastery then you become the best in the world at what you do and so it seems like that first step towards autonomy was getting rid of the nine to five so let's back up real quick and talk about that um how were you able to do that did you was outsourcing the reason why you were able to kind of do that um just when you went from the nine to five to hustling in that gap, what gave you more autonomy so that you could master uh, your life and business? Yeah, so I I had saved a little bit of money and I decided that I was going to do real estate and I was going to go all in. I, I had tried to do it part time and I tried because I was I was operating as, a, as an investor. I was wholesaling and and doing the traditional fix and flip like you see on the TV shows, except 
it's a whole lot harder than they make it look on TV, right? Um, and I think your your mentor JT, he's he's done a bunch of real estate, right? And uh, yeah. similar type thing, different creative strategies to to flip real estate. That was the business I was in, and so I knew that it would only take a couple transactions, really one transaction. But if I only did one deal a month, it would essentially replace my W two income. But I had saved a little bit of money, and I had decided that I would get my realtor's license as well because I really just wanted to be an investor. Yeah. But I knew that if I had my realtor's license, especially in Texas, it gives you access to the MLS. Then I would have a little bit of an ability to to make money in multiple ways. So, um, Roy, I wish I said I had this like great formula for making that that leap. Really, it was just confidence and having some nerve. I when I called my, I was talking to my mom and. I told her that I was going to quit my job and she asked me what I was going to do. And I said, go into real estate. And she asked me if I had a plan. I said, not really. I just kind of, I knew that I was going to go do it and, and figure it out and, and do whatever it took. Um, she thought I was a little bit crazy, but that, that is kind of the truth of it is I had a little bit of a safety net. I had a little bit of a savings and I decided to just jump in and, and go after. I didn't burn any ships, meaning I didn't ruin any relationships. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I didn't I didn't have a backup plan. I wasn't working throughout the day. But I was really lucky. I did I didn't have any kids. I didn't have a family I was supporting. I didn't have any obligations from that sense. Yeah. So I was able to just kind of I really I was just determined yeah. that I was going to be able to take vacation and I was going to be able to, to do things that I couldn't do with my W two job. So that was really the impetus of it is I was like, I was determined to be in control of my outcome and my life. Even if I made the exact same amount of money working for myself, that I, to I'm, me, that was going to be worth it. Yeah. And I, and I knew I could figure that out. Yeah. So, and, and the autonomy is amazing. And then in, in understanding flow, flow states and understanding, you know, in sports, we call it being in the zone. Most people have never been in the zone or been able to get in flow states because they never done anything at a high level. And um, one of the triggers to get into a flow state or the main trigger, and you know, everybody make sure you send me a thousand dollars for teaching you this, but is, is being able to focus. And the way to focus is to do something that is a little bit out of your ability. And so by taking that leap of faith, and maybe going out and doing something a little bit out of your ability that wasn't going to kill you, but it was a little bit out of your ability, I would venture to say that puts you into a state of focus where you're able to just grind and really figure it out and then go to those next steps, which is learning so that you can master your craft. So let's talk about- yeah, the uh -huh. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I no, touch on that, go touch ahead. on that. Go ahead, touch on that. I was just going to say, yeah, it was just kind of two steps for me. The first part was I, I spent a ton of time educating myself. I mean, I was reading, I was doing podcasts, the amount of books I read, the amount of time I said, I was still going to Barnes and Noble and just sitting there and reading, having some coffee and just hanging out. And I finally got to a point, Roy, where there wasn't another book that I could read. There wasn't another podcast that I could listen to. And so what I did was I just kind of, I just kind of went for it. Yeah. And what I realized in that process was the e the real learning comes from doing it, mm -hmm. not from just like reading in books. Like it, it helps. It gives you some foundation. It gives you some of the lingo to, to speak. It gives you some foundational knowledge that you definitely need. So like learning is a great thing. 
but the best learning comes from implementing and doing. And that, that was kind of, you're talking about flow state. It's like when you go and you implement and you do, it forces that focus to figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's exactly the, the way you described it. It's exactly the journey of how it was for me. All right. So you're grinding. Uh, real quick, let me reset the room. We are talking about improving your business through outsourcing with Robert Nickel. Make sure if you're on YouTube, hop on the right, comment, uh, ask Robert a question. If you're on Facebook, that's below. If you're on Amazon, we're not sure where that is, but I'm sure there's a place where you can comment. So Robert, you're grinding, making six figures. You're um, working in your business, not on your business. How did you take that step? those steps to outsource and really do, um, um, how did you go from that to outsourcing so that you can scale? Yeah. So I told you that I was doing everything in the business and that was the truth. So really I had to kind of hit, um, when I say entrepreneur rock bottom, I don't mean like life situation rock bottom, but just kind of, I, I was kind of burned out. I kind of had reached my my max of what I was willing to, I was on vacation with my family and everybody's kind of hanging out. They're on the beach playing and I'm walking down the beach like it's a stupid movie trying to get cell reception because not only had I paid for the vacation, but then I was taking the time off. So I didn't, I wasn't, nothing was happening while I was gone. So when I got home, it wasn't just the expense of the vacation, but it was also the time of not working. So it was felt like I was going to be a month behind by the time I got back. And for me, that was the big wake up call was that I had started my own business and I'd started my entrepreneur journey in order to be in control of my time. And here I was serving my business in every way instead of it serving me. I was just, it was just a different kind of job. It was still just a job and I was, I was responsible and control, but I was still out of control when it came to time management and time control. So I came home when I was just determined that I was going to kind of figure it out. And that's when I started, you know, hiring some friends and people from college and things like that to help me out. And I had no systems. I had no process. I had no structure. Everything was in my head. And so what I thought was, you know, it was really hard to find people. And I thought that managing people was just, you know, super difficult, all these things that you hear all the time about hiring and and that whole thing is, is really, I just learned that the problem, I'm not going to say that those listening are, are, you know, have the same issues that I did, but we see it pretty often. Like most of the time, but it was the same problem that I had, which I was the problem. Right. And when everything's in your head and that was kind of what I learned was there was no there was no system for how anything worked. There was no process. It was just I knew how to do everything. Right. I knew I was in real estate. So I knew how to run comps and look at comparables and run the numbers. I knew how to talk to the telegram. I knew how to do all the work. Yeah. But none of it was written down. There wasn't any structure. There wasn't a system for anything that was happening. So after failing several times, Roy, that's when I realized I had to do something different and I had to kind of like figure it out. And that was, you know, we talked about mentors. That was one of my mentors. They said, well, you you can't even set appropriate expectations for any team member when they comes in. There's no documentation. There, there's no... Um, expected outcomes. There's like, so no wonder you're a terrible manager. Like you've got nothing in place in order to be able to manage successfully. So the first thing that I had to do was I hired an outsourcing company 
to document everything that happened in my business. So every time I answered the phone, they they wrote down the scripts, they wrote down the follow-up, what happened happened in the CRM. They had to, I mean, literally everything that had they screen record, they document. So I had both PDFs and videos of every single thing that happened in my day-to-day. And so now I was able to look at where I spent all of my time. And then I could actually assess what was highest and best use of my time, which was working with sellers and buyers directly, working with title companies to close. But all the day-to-day research, the prospecting, the answering the phones, the setting appointments, the working with the disposition, like none of that like back office admin, social media management, all those tasks were important, but they weren't best use of my time. So those were the first things that I decided to outsource after I hired an outsourcing company to talk. So, and that's where I got the idea for our current model. I talk about the four steps we go through. We force everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're a publicly traded company or you're a single member LLC and we service everything in between. These steps that I'm talking about, everybody goes through the same process, which is a documentation Mm -hmm. of everything that's happening in your business. Because from there, now we can build what the roadmap looks like for what we're trying to accomplish. So we can take all the tasks and all the different things that are happening because everybody's business is different, right? So how do we take, we're working in tons of different industries with all these different businesses. So how, how can outsourcing companies take a random business that we know nothing about and create efficiency and productivity where they're end up making more money in a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Well, it's because we go through this process, which is a documentation mm-hmm. of every, and it's the same process that I failed with for years and years and years, which is ultimately why I designed it. Not because I'm per- personally good at it, but because I needed it and I knew other entrepreneurs and business owners needed it as well. So that, that first step, uh, to answer your question specifically of how did I start working, the, how did I make that leap? I realized that I needed foundation for employees to be able to work off to know what their job looked like. I had outsourced the creation of all of those SOPs, the system. Everybody hates those words. It's like, what is a system? Well, it's just a repeatable process. And any repeatable process that I had, I just had them document and create it. And then now I had a list, Roy, of so many things that I could get rid of and get off my plate. All of a sudden, it's just like this light bulb went off and I was like, all of these things are not worth my time over here. And that started the next phase of actually looking to go find somebody and figure out how to create a process and a system to get the right person to fill those roles. Yeah. You know, it's funny. um, I talk about, I don't know if I was talking about this on a video or when I was writing, I'm writing my next book. A lot of people don't know Napoleon Hill, the person who wrote Think and Grow Rich, a book that we all love. We've all read. It's helped all of us. It's made tons and tons of millionaires with the concepts. A lot of people don't know that Napoleon Hill was actually broke in the latter part of his life until he met a gentleman by the name of William Clement Stone. And so I was trying to figure out like, okay, you know, he he wasn't rich off his concepts until he met William Clement Stone. And William Clement Stone wrote a book called Success Systems. And I, so I said, what is the difference? How come William got uh, successful off of Napoleon's ideas, went and found Napoleon, and then made Napoleon successful off of his own ideas that he couldn't become successful on? And the actual key to that was the title in the book. It was Systems. 
you have to systemize these ideas. You have to systemize um, 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 the creativity you have and you have to make it linear. So Robert, how do I get the shit out of my head and make it linear so that it can become a system, a thing that is just like do boom, 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 boom. Cause you know, the way I learned to make systems was writing books, trying to figure out a way to teach people to do what I do. And in the book, you know, I had to come up with a step-by-step process, the five ways, these six ways, blah, 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 blah. So how do you go about getting it out of your brain? What are those four steps? We got number one down, which is document, which is, I didn't even think of literally recording and documenting everything I did for a week or two weeks. That's genius. I'm going to go do that. Uh, But what are those other steps and how do you go about doing that? Yeah, it's funny you say that because most of us have had experiences with like, um, you know, kids of, of almost any age, you know, you pick up a kid from school or like pick up my nephew that's that's four and I ask him, hey, what did you do today? What did you learn today? Yeah. <laughs> he, he can't tell me. He's like, uh, stuff. It was, you know, busy. It was a fun. It was a fun day. It was good. Good day. Yeah. Right. And I have to say, all right, well, today is Monday. You had music in the morning. Yeah, music. And then he'll be able to like go in and start telling me everything about music. And then we start to talk about the next period. And then he can tell me about, you know, recess and everything that happened. Mm-hmm. It's no different for most people when we talk to them about their work day. I said, hey, Roy, how, and I, maybe not you specifically, but most people, when we talk to them, hey, Roy, how was your day today? It was good, man. Really good. And then they follow up with the same thing every single time. It was busy. Oh, busy. Okay. Busy's good. What were you up to today? What were all the things? They're almost offended by the question because they're doing so many things all the time. They're answering phones or emails are coming in. They're responding to emails. They're just like making things happen all day, but they rarely ever slow down to think about what they're actually doing all day long. They're just doing all the stuff, going to bed, exhausted, waking up, hair on fire and doing it all over again. So the the purpose of documenting everything and creating systems has so many different uh, um, valuable you know, outcomes, reasons for doing it. And it's not just about hiring. I mean, it creates transparency. It creates a, a system to be able to, or a process, I'm gonna stop using that word system because it's, you know, we're talking about systems, but it's a way to create transparency about what's actually happening in the day to day across the business, across the organization, right? And what actually it takes to get things done. And then whenever, you know, we talk about documenting, now when you go document it, you stop taking for granted the number of steps that it takes to get that done and how you do it. So I, there's obviously two ways to do it. It's the same answer with, with everything basically, right? There's the do it yourself and the done for you. And so I, we, I tried for a long time to do it myself. I told you I did the done for you option. I tried for a while to do it myself. And the, you know, I would take, for example, in real estate, we, we have to do a look at a house. You got to run comps to see what the house is worth and value of the house. Right. So it's a process to go through that. Right. And so I created what I thought was a good system to run comps on that property, on that house. Well, then I handed it to somebody else. And the only thing that makes a system any good is if somebody else can follow the process that you just created and do it themselves, right? Otherwise, it's not it's not a good system. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. That means you just have to be doing it. So yeah. every time I created a process and handed it off, it failed. 
because I wasn't good at thinking about every detail and everything in it. So you can screen record. There's lots of, uh, you know, Camtasia's. There's, uh, you know, I use a Mac, so you QuickTime is free on here. There's lots of ways to screen record everything that you're doing, recording phone conversations and then just transcribing them. You have enough conversations. Eventually, you realize that you answer the same questions over and over and over again. They're yeah. just slightly different. So you start creating scripts. So you can do it that way where you're, you're just like, and it's kind of a never ending process right Roy because every, you think you've covered everything and then you do something that's a little bit different and then you just document every, whether that's a screen recorder going into word and creating a PDF and it's a pretty uh, we like to do a couple different ways where there's uh, you know a PDF where we do screen grabs with lots of arrows and point through because some people work a little bit slower and have a do better visually and then we do screen grabs so that, that people that just need to watch the videos can but so you can do that yourself or hire somebody to do all of that for you but that really is i, I it's, it might sound overdone to some people but it really is the foundation to success is having systems and process because otherwise it's just ideas or it's just in your head and then there's nothing you can really do with that there's no action that can be taken on ideas so that that documentation now you, you've got two, well, I'll say three real things. We talked about clarity and alignment so you can see everything that's happening. Yeah. You also have everything itemized. So then people ask all the time, what, what should I delegate first? What should I outsource first? Yeah. Well, now you've got a roadmap of so many different things, so many different options, and yeah. you can pick the things. It doesn't, you know, people like to say, well, what, you know, do what's best user. Sometimes it's just what's easiest to get off your plate first. Sometimes you can grab five, six, seven, ten different things that'll give you 20 hours a week back and now you can see it and you've got clarity, right? And then the last thing is whenever you grab that task list, now you know who you're looking for to fill that role. You know, you're a big personality. You like presentations and speaking and being on stage and you like so you would be great in sales roles and leading customer support teams and and client facing roles and anywhere where you're engagement and community engagement positions right well if i put you in accounting and bookkeeping or crm management or what like it would be great it would be the best you'd be the best at it <laughs> for would. a while <laughs> and then you would you'd flame out after a while yeah. right so people talk all the time about profiling we use a personality profiling tool called culture index and it's incredibly accurate and incredibly sharp but part of the reason we're using that is because we want to put the right people in the right seat and so after you document everything that's happening in the business, now everything else you're talking about in a linear fashion taking care of itself, man, now you're off to the races, Roy, because you've got your task list of what you're going to delegate. You now have a profile of the type of person creating a job description to go hire that person. Now all of a sudden you can write, because if you're looking for a customer service person that can do some inside sales that's also going to do bookkeeping and all your detail like that's a unicorn that doesn't exist right but if you can group your task and have a few hours a day of administrative type work and a few hours a day of phone type work is usually how most small businesses work now you can go find rock stars to fill that role 
and you've documented everything that's happening, now management, just to kind of bring it full circle and complete the puzzle, now managing people becomes a very doable thing and it becomes a whole lot easier and you can enjoy driving into work every day because now you've got a clear plan and structure for what the expectations are for your team, which makes management and leadership just so much easier. Yes, yes. You know what? Um, that was huge. Culture in bags. I just want to touch on this. For the people living in California, you cannot do personality tests on your employees. If if they're if they're VA from other countries, it's fine, but you can't do it here. That is illegal. Uh, I think there's a couple other states where it's illegal, but most places it's legal. Um, and if you do do it, the way I kind of get around is I just say, hey, do you mind doing this? So we'll know where you will work best. That's kind of how I get around it is I ask that. But it cannot be a judgment thing towards if you're gonna hire them or not. So, um, Robert. No, and every everybody yeah. takes it right. So it's yeah. everybody takes it. There's yeah. no discrimination that's used for it. It's just a tool in the toolbox. Yes. Uh, but but it definitely is powerful and, and adds and, to the. To, yeah. Sorry, Roy. You're about to uh, say something. I'm a I'm gonna check the one you use out. I use Colby, the Colby Index. Um, yeah, I like Colby. It's good, uh, but I'll I'll send you a link, Roy. I've got unlimited surveys, so I'd love for you to I'll I'll send you a culture index link. I'll email it to you, and um and you can take it. And it, it's it's pretty amazing how accurate it is. It's uh I I definitely see the value of Colby as well, but this is just a little bit different. Goes a little bit deeper and gives you a little bit more. I find Colby helps me more. It doesn't help me understand others that much. You know what I mean? It's like, tell me how I take action, but it's like, okay, they take action this way. But I, so, so I totally see what you mean. Um, wanted to ask this, what shouldn't be outsourced? One, that's question number one. And then two, once you're outsourcing thing, what is the entrepreneur, the founder, the CEO, what should they be focused on? Um, once things are outsourced and you have that free time to now work on the business instead of in it. Yeah, there's, so we are, you know, a virtual staffing business. Uh -huh. That's, we, we only do two things as a company. We document systems and processes and then we place full-time virtual assistants with our clients, right? So that's what we do, but we still have a couple team members in the office here. Like I'm, I'm in an office here in Dallas. You can see the windows behind me, see Dallas behind me, like there, we have team members in the office. So the way it works for us and it, it, and we advise all of our partners, all of our clients to do essentially the same thing is there's a few tasks within every business usually that you, and not, not every business. I mean, we work with a lot of e-commerce businesses that have literally outsourced everything, Roy, like a lot of Amazon business and a lot of e-commerce businesses are using our teams plus technology and know-house and in-house employees. But most businesses, especially that ha still have offices and brick and mortar locations, still have a few people required. And so like for us in, in, at Rocket Station, it's easiest to look like we look at our sales team. The guys that and gals that are actually closing the deals that are that are responsible for getting signatures on the contract, they're in-house, but they're not responsible for lead generation. They're not responsible for calendar management. They're not responsible for scheduling or follow-up or, or any of the things that are around the sale in any way. They're only responsible for the sale. So we have in a, a, a CFO 
and he is in the office, but he only does high level stuff. He's not responsible for reporting. He doesn't report putting the reports together. So all of the account, all of the bookkeeping is done by an outsourced team and then they report to the CFO. So almost every department, that's how it works. We have a COO that manages teams directly in the Philippines. But so I, I kind of have a core group that then are responsible for all the major outcomes of the business, but they don't do any of the day-to-day -day tasks. They're basically just responsible for for the outcomes, right? And creating those outcomes. So that that's the way I look at it. And I look at it the same way people say all the time, well, I'm not ready for that. I I think that that just means that you're gonna be limited until you are ready, right? Because there's I'm just ready. so... <laughs> You yeah, there's to just too it. many things. Yeah, there's just too many things happening in the yeah. day. And so the, it's kind of one of those things where it shouldn't be an expense because it should be producing more value than it costs. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the where like for there's lots of different ways to outsource. There's Upwork, there's you know, there's fibers, there's companies like like ours. There's so you can do it yourself, you can go through companies like ours. We're ten dollars an hour. We're one of the more expensive ways to do it, mm -hmm. but even at ten dollars an hour, it should produce significantly more value than what that's costing you in the business. And the number of tasks that it takes to run a business in the day to day is just insane. So there's no way that anyone's not ready, like you said. There's no way you're not not ready, right? So um, the the second question you asked me was. Um, the first one was what should what you, you what not outsource? The second question. And then what what do you focus on now that you got things outsourced? What are you focused on to grow the business? Yeah, I've got I have primarily three responsibilities within the company. The first one is around the the org chart. So I'm still responsible for the US based employees and the highest level team members in the Philippines, I have some input and say, and I'm a part of that process. So yeah. I still want want to manage the org chart because that leads to the second thing that I'm still really active in, which is our, our culture. Mm -hmm. So people want to ask, uh, people generally want to ask and talk about how to create culture virtually. Mm -hmm. And to me, the answer is the exact same way that that you do it with an in-house staff. You do it with intention and purpose yeah. every single day, all day. And to me, that starts with having the right people in the right seats that fit your core values. And so that's why I'm so focused on the, the org chart and the people that are in the company first. And then culture comes as a result of, of the people. So it's not just my my preaching or the coming from me i i am a part of the culture of our organization but it's led through the team and and by the team so probably what i'm most proud of and then i really spend a lot of time and pay attention to essentially the numbers what's happening the reporting the trends so that we can make good decisions about where to allocate assets essentially marketing channels that are working really well let's spend more money the things that aren't working well let's turn down and then kind of across the board a constant evaluation analysis on on what's working well so that we can ramp that up the things that aren't working well either cut or find a way to fix and make better and yeah. and, and work downstream so that, that those are kind of the three core things that i do in my day-to-day -day at this point yeah and for everyone who's watching and for those who are going to listen when we post I want you to listen how he has put himself in a place to where he can have a 
bird's eye view of his business so he can be strategic instead of transactional. And so there's really only two ways to drive revenue. That is price or fixing business processes. And he's fixing business processes on another level. And then he can look at where the money is because he's not working in the business, you know, math plus marketing equals money. So, you know, I, you know, I work with business owners and, and one thing I'll ask them is, you know, they're like, I want to make more money. And I'm like, okay, what have you done in the past that's worked? And they're like, oh, one time we ran this promotion and I'm like, okay, how much did you make? And they'll make a lot of money on it. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's do that again. <laughs> let's, why don't you do that again? And so when you're working in your business, you lose sight of the simple stuff, the common sense stuff. And that's one gift I have is I'm, I'm, I'm number one, all team Mamba mentality when it comes to common sense, because I'm a lazy dude. And so I figure out ways to get things done in the laziest, most efficient, like the name of the show, a shortcut way. And so he has really got a really good bird's eye view on his business. Robert, so I want to ask you, because I get, when I coach a lot of business owners, we go in and they're busy, they're busy, they're busy. And so they start hiring people and rightfully so. But when they start hiring people, maybe they get a video guy first. And next next thing you know, they have more emails because the video guy has questions. And then they bought, get a website guy and then they get an assistant and then they get a a salesperson. And next thing you know, they're more busy than they were before they bought people and outsourced it. What did that business owner do wrong in hiring to where they're more busy now? Yeah, I think they do what most people do, which is feel pain, have a lack of structure in their day-to-day, solve it by throwing people at the problem. And then again, because of lack of structure and processes, then they become the resource. So we just have a simple belief that if there's a fire, that's just opportunity. And it's same, it, the same concept applies for, for your responsibility in the day. If you're required or needed for anything that's happening specific, like your phone rings and somebody has to have you right now, or there's things that you have to do in any given moment outside of like scheduled meetings and things like that. But like out of your control, things happening, I've got to us that we have, that is just a strict rule. It's law. That's just opportunity to create a process, right? So because anytime there's a fire, that means that there's just hasn't been enough work done beforehand to solve those those potential problems, right? And then we're always just working, we're, we're working behind instead of proactive about everything that's happening. So I, I don't wanna sound like a broken record here and drive people crazy, but the secret of it really is, so most entrepreneurs are moving too fast yeah. to put the p- pieces in place, the strong foundation, in order to build, so to look at the sky. And a, another cliche, you know, your yours are way better than mine because they're not cliches. They're these great, great ways of explaining it. But like for me, simple cliches work. It's like a skyscraper in New York. How do you get? You know, some of these have. I just saw one the other day had 160 floors or whatever, 161 floors. It's like, how do you get to where you've got concrete going up tubes to where where ultimately you have. A hundred. It starts with a really strong foundation. It all the all the initial work goes into pouring the foundation, so that you can then go up 
160 floors. And so it's the same way in any business. You have to have structure. And that word says, I read the book. I'm going to pick up the books that, that you mentioned. For me, it was a book called E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And he talks all the time about working on your business instead of in your business. Yeah. But man, Roy, when you're, when you're everyday hustling, when you're just grinding, like it's really hard to ever take a step back and work on the business because you're just, and you said it so well, you're not creative when you're hustling. When you're grinding and you're hustling, that is not when your best ideas happen. That's when you're getting things done and that's when you're moving and you can be focused and you can be really productive. Yeah. But if the only time you're super creative is in the shower, then that's a problem. That means you're overworked. You're, I mean, I used to have all my best ideas in the shower because it was the only 10 minutes I had yeah. of just doing nothing and, and no, no expectations and no pressure and no anything, right? So, but man, that just, that just means there's lots of opportunities to put structure in place mm -hmm. so that then we can have a lot of success. So, I mean, you, you talked about administrative assistant. I almost to this day cringe <laughs> at that word. We, we place a lot of executive assistants it's it's to me one of the most difficult positions you know getting great customer support teams and inside sales teams and bookkeeping teams and crm management and social media like we we can just bang those out so i mean we just absolutely crush that it's amazing what is a little bit we do really well with the executive assistants but it's way more difficult and the reason is is because entrepreneurs are terrible. Business owners and business leaders are terrible. There's no structure. It's fly by the seat of your pants. It's okay. change every single day. It's move super fast. It's go, 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 cut corners, get things right. So like most people aren't like you and aren't as structured and as systematic and as process oriented as you are, Roy. And so by hiring people, you're asking, like I know this is again another too long of an answer, but what did they do wrong? They just threw more gasoline on an already uncontrolled fire by hiring a bunch of people, bringing them into a business without enough structure, mm -hmm. and then probably putting all kind of crazy pressure on them to perform, and they don't even really know what that means or what the expectations are. So that is the problem, really, is there's no real structure. So bringing team members in, that's why you either by yourself need to work through the documentation phase first or get somebody like us or somebody else that can help you really go through that. Yeah. And man, it's amazing the things that, that you'll realize that you're missing in the day to day by just being able to take a step back, having somebody else who's not as close to it as you look at it and kind of see it from a new perspective. And I'm sure you see that all the time with your clients. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they're thinking, man, Roy's a genius. How does he see all these things? And he is, you're smart, right? And, yeah. and you obviously, know what you're talking about but you're also separated enough from the process of your clients where you can see it and have clarity and and see the small things that they're missing and that's what i needed to that's why i got help that's why i had to get somebody to help me document and do all the systems piece but that's the answer to, yeah. to hiring and having success and you guys want to get with robert to to get that stuff going i'm telling you it makes things easier it drives revenue it takes you to the next level but i'll give you a little secret the first hire you should be making is a project manager and that should be the only person you should be talking to and everyone you hire underneath them 
should be reporting only to the project manager. That's a little secret. Robert could go deeper on that with you guys when you work with him. All right, Robert, we are going to go into the red zone where I ask you five fast acting questions uh, that I found are usually hard for people like us to answer. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. Let's do it, bro. All right, welcome to the Red Zone. What is your favorite book? Favorite book is Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, I, I read it at least once a year. I know it, it, everybody's probably already read that one, but every time I reread it, there's just so many things that, that come back. So uh, Principles by Ray Dalio, and then a close second would be uh, Zen Mind, a beginner's guide that, that helps me get refocused and, and back centered and love that. Book. Yeah. I just, it's like what the secret to, to constantly learning and the secret to growth oh is approaching God. things from an open mind. Right. And so many times, as soon as we think that we understand something or we know what we're doing, then we limit our growth. And so I have to reread that, that book often same way with principles because I, I go into these mo modes, Roy, where I think I kind of have certain things figured out. I, you know, get moving, feeling good about myself and then have to recenter and realize that I need to be more open and more receptive and more like a beginner's mind. Zen mind, beginner's mind. I love that book. What's a quote you live by? Your favorite quote? Favorite quote? Um, uh so it's it's not like that i actually live by it's not from anybody famous it's another mentor of mine who said uh we've all got equal opportunity but not to equal outcomes and uh that just meant a lot to me in that like i've got to go earn it he he talked all the time about how um you know, how easy it is to see money move in transactions. And we see these big brands and we see all these companies and we see people spending money. So it gets easy for us as business owners to feel entitled to people using our service or our product or basically giving their, their money to us. And it's just a reminder to me all the time that we have to earn it with every single thing that we do, every client has to be treated as if they're the only client, the only account. It's why we view our clients as partners. It's just, we we have to earn it every single day and produce. One of our core values is, is exceed expectations because that's what it's all about. So when he says to me, you know, we all have equal opportunity, but not equal outcomes. It's like, I'm, I'm not entitled to anyone's business. I feel like if I go earn it and we perform and we change lives and we enhance businesses, then, then we'll earn that business and the business will grow, but it's about outcomes and, and producing. Yo, that's a hundred, that's a hundred percent. Love that. Love that. What would you rather be loved or respected? Um, so to me, there's nothing more important than love. I think giving love, sharing love, receiving love, radiating love. Like I, I, you know, I don't think it matters what religion you are or aren't, but that is the essence and the core of all of it. To me, that that's my opinion and my perspective is, is the only thing that matters is love. And I think if you radiate love and you are love and you share love and you try to be love, then I think respect will come along with that, or at least in the way that matters and is important as meaningful. Um, is That's just my opinion on, on that. Yeah. Um, 
If you could spend 24 hours with anyone who's ever lived in history, who would it be and why? Uh, 24, just one person? One person, 24 hours. You get to be with them. Oh, um, one person, 24 hours. Changes for Man, that's, that's tough. Um, one person, 24. Okay, probably my dad's dad. My grandfather, he died when I was really young. Yeah. And um, I, we grew up a sports family. I paid, played basketball through college. Uh, we, my family, we like to go walk a couple holes in the evening, play golf. It's more of just like an activity for the family than it is for the sport. But always a sports family, super active. My parents to this day travel with their, their tennis rackets. And, and so I never got to really have a relationship with my dad's dad, with my grandfather. But um, got to you know hear lots of stories, and I think he would have had a lot of fun with us. I'm one of five kids, and we're all really into sports, and everybody's college athletes, and most were better than me. And and he missed out on all of that. So I think uh, him getting to see us at this point for 24 hours, and I'm sure he does or whatever. But that that to me would probably be the most special. Yeah. So I'm gonna change the last question since you said you hooped. Who's the goat? Oh man, like uh, here's how I'll answer that question. All okay. Right. If I was building a team today and I had to pick, I had to start, you know, the there's there's the rosters out there and I'm and I'm starting with number one. I have to I have to pick, I have to choose somebody to build my franchise today in today's NBA. LeBron. I would take LeBron James. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I, I would. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I would like MJ's numbers are ridiculous. They're insane. It's just so hard to even fathom what he did. Right. Um, changed the game in every sense. And so um, I, you know, I love MJ, but like the league is just different now, Roy. Like the, it's just, the guys are so good. Like, you know, the Steph Curry, he didn't exist previously and you've got LeBron still winning championships. So I just, I, LeBron had, He's had some of the worst teams of all time make it to the finals. So to me, it's uh, you, he's the best basketball. Maybe there's kind of two parts. You got to be able to get there. So your team has to be good. But when you get there, you're going to hit points of who can get in the better zone flow state is who's going to win, period. And I always tell my athletes, whoever's in the moment um, is going to win. Whoever can stay present and not let the stress get to them is going to win. And I just don't see nobody doing that better and willing his team better than Kobe Kobe Bryant. I just I Kobe used to do impossible things. And um I, you know, they, I they think say that that's fair. They say LeBron makes the right play, but what did we talk about when we talked about flow states? To get into flow states, you have to do something that is out of your ability. And Kobe did that all the time and I've that's that's the one thing I have against LeBron is I've never seen him do anything out of his ability because he's he's got it. He's got it. So, so you're a Kobe guy, huh? Yeah, yeah. And I hate that he doesn't get his uh, it bothers me when they're like Jordan LeBron. I'm like, bro, if y'all don't add Kobe, yeah, he's not, to this conversation. He's not even in the conversation most of the time, really. Like he oh. said, I'll never forget when he put that tweet up one day that was like yeah, because how many? I don't even. I'm gonna sound like an idiot, but his tweet was basically like, 
Mike, Mike's got six, right? LeBron's got how many? Had four at the time. So yeah. Mike's six, LeBron's four. How many does Kobe have? Right. Yeah, it said it, and then it was like, um, we can respect all the greatness, whatever. And everybody laughed because they're like, Kobe, you're not even in on the conversation. You uh, know? like it's not- Here's the thing, though. If, and we can never really know, but if, if they played and crunch games with their respectful good teams, Kobe goes to a different place, man. He goes to a different place. And I've just never, I you, you know, know I th- Kobe definitely seems like he got more out of <laughs> fadeaways his... with three people hanging on him behind the backboard with ten seconds left, splash, and just boom, you know. <sighs> Yeah, I'm with you. But if your if your arguments flow state, I don't know if anybody got into flow better than Jordan. Ah, oh, true. So Robert, I have another interview in two minutes. Where can we find you? I want to outsource. Where can we go? Where can we find you so we can get you out of here? Yeah. So most people they they understand the general concepts of outsourcing. The, a lot of the things we talked about they may have heard before, right? But but most people they they don't really understand how it can apply to them or where they should start. So anybody who would like to just spend 45 minutes with us, just go to our website, rocketstation.com. There's a scheduled, excuse me, there's a scheduled time now button on there, or I'll do one better for your audience is our uh, director of business development, Greg Brooks. Just tell him you saw him on, on the show. And and his email is Brooks, B-R-O-K-S, at rocketstation.com. So One Greg second. and his team, they're, they're amazing. Happy to spend time with anybody, answer your questions. It doesn't matter if you work with us or not, but you just want to get your questions answered and figure out what the best path for you would be. Go to rocketstation.com or email Greg Brooks and, and the development team at brooks at rocketstation.com. Thank you so much, Robert. I have to go. I have another interview to do. Man, you killed it. Appreciate you, Roy. We're going to connect. You're awesome. Um, I'm going to be in Dallas. This is fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, If you're in Dallas, you better hit me up. I'll take you out for sure. I'm coming. I got a friend out there in tech. Uh, So bye. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody who joined this live. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Till next time, always remember to be yourself. We're out. This is the Entrepreneur Underdog, business secrets to help doubted entrepreneurs triumph. The Underdog Entrepreneur is where we use fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs make more money, have a bigger impact, and live a better lifestyle so that they can prove their haters wrong. And now, your host, Roy Red.